Good morning. Today's scripture is going to be from Matthew chapter 24. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two, two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one, one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have left his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Second Timothy reads, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. And let's pray. Father God, we thank you for Jesus Christ, and we thank you for the gospel that Christ came and lived the life that we couldn't live, that he died the death that we deserved, that he was buried, and that he rose again, Lord. And we also thank you that Christ is coming again. We don't know the time, we don't know the hour, but we know that glorious and amazing day is coming. We pray that we as a church will remain steadfast, that we'll be ready for that time, and that we'll stay on mission with the Great Commission, Lord, that we'll always make disciples of all the nations, and that we'll just do all that we do and live our lives for your glory and for your name. In Christ's name, amen. My wife tells me I have an outside voice all the time, but <laughs> so anyway, uh, when we see trouble and confusion, rampant sin, outright depravity abounding, it should make us think of, of the return of Jesus. It should make us yearn for a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness. In the beginning of Matthew 24, Jesus' disciples came to him privately on the Mount of Olives and asked him, What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus had recently told them that the beautiful temple that they were walking in, praying in, worshiping God in, would someday have not one stone left upon another. This temple was one of the wonders of the ancient world. They had been building it since Herod's time. And Herod had been dead at least 30 years. So they had been building this temple for years, and it was finally completed. Jesus said, not one stone. And this shocked the disciples. So they asked that question. In the course of his answer, Jesus makes this statement. But of that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven but my Father only. The disciples, when they asked that question, what shall be the sign of your coming? They wanted a timetable. But God was not going to give a timetable. They wanted a sign to point to. There was going to be no sign. Only the Father knows. Jesus before had when they asked him a question, usually gave them an answer. He, he, he explained a parable. He said, 
And he's told them, blessed are your ears, for they hear. Blessed are your eyes, for they see. But in this case, Jesus says, only the Father knows. Not the angels. Not anyone on earth. No matter how convincing they may be, can tell you the hour of Christ's return. And, we're, and we've been waiting a long time. This is the biggest secret in heaven. When I worked for the Air Force, I had a security clearance, a secret level clearance. There was, there was clearances above higher levels, clearances you could get. Only one, per, only one knows this, God himself. Only the Father knows the hour and the time. Something this big, this important, that only the Father knows and is revealing to no one else, not even Michael, not even any of the angels, the cherubim, no one knows. It's something we need to be thinking about. If, something, if it's that big and that important, it's something we should be thinking about. Praying about and preparing for continually. Think about the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. What is next? Thy kingdom come. That is the... That is the first request made to God after hallowed be your name is thy kingdom come. That's before God's will. That's before give us this day our daily bread. Deliver us from evil. Forgive us our trespasses. Is that the first thing in our minds? Or are we, like most of us, probably skipping to give us this day our daily bread? Or even asking for God's will to be done. Where is our home? Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Which kingdom are we, are we, are we working for? If we're, we know the Sunday school answers. But we need, when we look at ourselves, is it his kingdom that we're wanting to come? Thy kingdom come. His kingdom in, in its finality, in its final physical reality to all the earth is the biggest thing to happen since Jesus died and rose again. Amen. It is when God is going to end this world. And the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord. Amen. Jesus uses the story of Noah to illustrate what it will be like when he returns. But as the days of Noah were, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. For in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking. They were marrying and giving in marriage. Until the day that Noah entered the ark. Sounds like things are going on like they usually have when this day comes. It sounds, like, it sounds like it comes, like our text said, as a thief in the night. One of the first stories we learned out of the Bible as children is the story of Noah. The big boat, all the animals coming in two by two. Noah and his family. We have books about it, songs about it. Even a big Christian theme park in Kentucky. 
Noah's story is more than history. It's a picture of what is going on now and what is coming. It's a picture. Just say Noah. It speaks of deep sin and depravity, judgment and ultimate salvation in this story. Genesis 6, 5, 5 through 6 says of Noah's day, when the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was on evil continually, and the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. Genesis 6, Genesis 6.11 says, The earth was also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, and all flesh had corrupted its way. Paul says something similar, but this is in the New Testament. And this is, uh, this is in 2 Timothy 3, if you have your Bible. It says, but this know, that in the last days perilous times will come, or as, as, our, as the other text says, it says, times of difficulty, terrible times in other versions, but know this, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, love, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, Disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. That sounds like Noah's day to me. Are you alarmed at our massive moral decline? All All the confusion and outright depravity happening before our very eyes. Do you feel like things are spiraling out of control? Darkness is being called light, and light is being called darkness. I mean, we don't, we've, we've gone to the point with marriage or gender even, that we don't even know what those are. Not we, but the world. That's how much confusion and darkness and sin there is in turning from God. I can assume that, I can assume things were pretty bad in Noah's day. Because God says every intent of the thoughts of, of their heart was on evil continually. So God looked at every person and it was, they were being evil in their intents, in their heart, all the time. No light at all. I mean, when, when, when it says God regretted creating man in the first place, and God was grieved in his heart, think about that. Think about how patient God is and how long-suffering he is. It says in 1 Peter 3.20, God was waiting, it says, to bring judgment. It says God was long-suffering while the ark was being prepared. So while Noah was building the ark, all these people 
Nobody was changing. Nobody was listening. Nobody was turning to God. Noah was, it says, was a preacher of righteousness. He was faithfully preaching, and he was doing what God told him to do. He was building the ark. And it took a while. It took over 100 years. That's a long building project. Hopefully the church won't take that long. But... (laughs) But there is a day, there is a, there is a day when judgment comes. Uh, we've, we've, we've studied in, in, in our home Bible study, we, we, we took a really long time, we finally got done with the Old Testament, but Israel, finally, the Babylonians, after years of God preaching, sending prophets, God waiting and hoping for repentance, finally judgment came. And Jerusalem was destroyed. The temple was destroyed. God's Holy Spirit left the temple. And there, com- there is a day coming. In Noah's case, the day was finally there. The animals were all loaded in the ark. Noah's family went in. And God shut the door. God himself closed the door. And then judgment came. The flood came. And it didn't come like, like one of our little rains that it just keeps raining and it slowly builds up. It came suddenly. It says that the fountains of the great deep were broken up. I don't think, I don't think anyone on the people on the earth had any chance. It was, it was cataclysmic. It was sudden. I mean, some of the things that I've studied and read, I mean, it's like the very earth exploded and and water was shooting forth out of the earth, and volcanic activity, and all kinds of things happened to destroy the earth. And it was complete. If, if you look at, well, if you look at those dinosaur beds, those animals are scattered. They're, I mean, they're just buried. It, it, was, it was complete. Genesis 6-9 says, Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Mo- Noah walked with God, and also says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was like his great-grandfather Enoch, it says, of Enoch. Enoch, he walked with God and was not, for God took him. We are to follow Noah's example in this time. Noah was obedient to God, to what God told him to do. What has God told us to do? How has God t- instructed us to live? I mean, we have his word but we need to do it. We are to be about our master's business. How many parables did Jesus give about a master going away, leaving his servants to their assigned work? Luke 12.25, 12.35 is an example. I'm going to read that particular one to you. Luke 12.35 says, stay dressed for action, keep your lamps burning, and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. I I didn't mean this after the wedding, after people were up late, but... 
Blessed, truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Think about that. If you're awake, if you're awake when he comes. It doesn't say you will be. It says if you are awake. It says Jesus himself. You know, you're his servant. He's going to serve you. That's, that's how happy he's going to be. That's how... That is how he, he, that's how joyful he will be that you are, have been faithful to him. To me, that implies it's not going to be easy in these last times to be awake, to be ready. Another place Jesus says, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? So this is not going to be an easy task. I mean, there's so many parables that talk about, you know, while the master tarried, some, they, they all fell asleep. And then, then five virgins arose that had oil and five didn't. Five were wise, five were foolish. There's an implication that the wait is long. Well, we have waited a long time. I mean, Jesus was crucified in approximately 33 AD. It's, it's getting close to 2,000 years. We need to be ready. Think about the joy of the Lord. It's important. I mean, I mean, you know, when you've been up late, you know, we, we get up for work when we're dead tired. We get the things done we want to get done. This is something that needs, we need to be, be faithful in. It is, it is beyond your job. It is beyond anything else. Being waiting and watching for the Lord. Uh, I mean, Luke, it continues. I'm not going to go into it, but uh, if you want to read Luke 12, 41 through 48 yourself, it's very, there's, those are, those are, those I've only read the, the good the good part. There's there's the part there's the part that is for if we if we don't aren't faithful that Jesus talks about when he's explaining that parable. We need to have an urgency. It says these things are at, when you see these things begin to pass in Matthew twenty four. You know, be ready for these, these things are at the doors. Judgment fell when God shut the door. Think about this in Noah's day. Only eight people, eight, in the whole world. Eight people out of, I don't know how many millions of people lived on the world in Noah's day. Only eight people made it on that ark. Nobody listened to Noah. Nobody listened to his message of judgment. Nobody listened to his message of get right with God and walk with him. 
He was only he, only he and his family were on that ark. Think about that. That wasn't an easy thing. Nobody wants to be alone. Nobody wants to stand out. Nobody wants people to not like you. I'm sure he was despised by everybody. He was mocked. I mean, God must have protected him because he still was alive. But think of that. One man against the world. One man is listening to God during that time. Noah. It's only a matter of time until the door of grace of the ark of our salvation, Jesus Christ, closes. We are in a time of grace. We are in a time where God is saying, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We are in a time where it says, for it shall come to pass that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the time we're in right now. But we don't know when that door shuts. We don't know when God is going, that door of salvation is going to shut. That's why the word says, today is the day of salvation. You don't know what tomorrow has. Peter summarizes these thoughts in 1 Peter 3, 1 through 15. If you have your Bibles. I mean, this is, this is all throughout. This, I mean, Paul... I'm going to read a, bunch, a lot of scripture here. 1 Peter 3.1 says, sorry, 2 Peter. 1 Peter is not what I want. Behold, I write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. So this is something that Peter thinks it's important enough to, to remind these. So you, most of you know this, I'm sure, what I'm talking about. This is nothing... Wow, I've never heard that before. This is something that we need to do and to remember and to walk in. That Peter says, that you be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying where is the promise of his coming for since the fathers fell asleep all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation for this they willingly forget that by the word of god the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water by which the world that that then then existed perished being flooded with water so once again it's referring back to noah and during in that time People are ignorant of that. I mean, when I was in school, <laughs> nobody, they didn't, nobody, nobody talks about the flood, and they, and they mock anyone who does. They are ignorant of that, and they're willfully ignorant of that. Why? Because it points to God's judgment. It points to God judging sin. It points to what is coming. But the heavens and the earth, which are preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So the judgment that is coming 
in the future is not a, not a flood because God's already, pro- already promised he wouldn't destroy the world with a flood again. He's going to renovate the earth by fire. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as, as, is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Why has our God waited this long? Why has almost 2,000 years gone by since Jesus rose again? This verse, God is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's, that's the God we serve. One who is long-suffering and merciful. Just like he waited in the days of Noah, so he's waiting now. But the day of the Lord, the day, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are therein will be burned up. It's that sudden. Some morning you may get up, and that's the last day. That is the day. The day that Jesus returns, all heaven is returning with him. He is going to send his angels. It's, it's, this is in Matthew 24 also. He's going to send his angels to the four corners of the world to gather those who are his and bring them to himself. And everyone else, not, not good. Eternal darkness, judgment, perdition, fire, where the worm dies not. There's no middle ground. I think a lot of times we are trying to find the middle. Let's compromise here. I'll give God some, and I'll, you know, give the world some. There isn't a middle ground. You're you're not standing on ground. There's nothing there. Because this is what it says. Because of this, because of the judgment that's coming, because of everything going to be dissolved and burned up, it says, therefore, since these things will be dissolved, what manner persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of, of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. That's why it's important you think about thy kingdom come first. Because this, this is supposed to motivate us. We're supposed to keep our eye on the prize. To not get distracted by the cares of life, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things to enter in and choke the word of God so we're unfruitful. These are, the, these, these are the things that are supposed to be in the forefront of our eyes. So if you pray through the Lord's Prayer, think of that the next time you pray through it. 
after you put, give God the glory to his name, thy kingdom come. Because these bodies will pass away. We're, we're really concerned about them. What they look like, how healthy they are, and that's not a bad thing. But if that's all you're doing, these are going to pass away just like the earth. Your house will pass away. Your car, your job. We all eventually, should the Lord tarry, we go back to the dust of the earth. It says, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look forward to a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. That's what we're, that's what we're working for. We're, we're, work, we're serving God here like Noah. We're being faithful to him. But we are looking for a new heaven and a new earth. It says of Abraham, he looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. I mean, all those, all those, all the, the heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11, that, they had that testimony that this world wasn't their home. They were just passing through. Their home was way up somewhere, away beyond the blue. As the song goes, the angels beckon me to heaven's open door, but I won't feel at home in this world anymore. It, it frees you. It frees you to, to say, they, they confessed that they were pilgrims and strangers on the earth, it says in Peter. Do you confess that? I mean, people talk a lot about, I'm going to confess this, I'm going to confess that. Do you confess that you are a, a stranger and a pilgrim on the earth? Confess that. That will help center you and focus you on the journey ahead. This world is not your home. If it is, that's not a good thing. It says, then it says in verse 14, Therefore, beloved, this is how we're supposed to live. It says, therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found in him in peace, without spot and blameless, and consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Because you're looking forward to these things, it's going to motivate you to be diligent. Because that's what you're working for. It's not a religious thing. You're serving the king. You're looking for his kingdom to come. And you're looking to please the king that you're going to be with forever. Be diligent to be found by him in peace. What does that mean? To be found in peace. Are you being contentious? Are you holding bitterness? Are you, are you not right with God in areas? You need to be found by him. When Jesus comes, you need to be found by him in peace. You need to resolve these things 
You need to resolve conflicts. And, and if you're hiding sin, you need to be found by him in peace. If you're holding ought against people, you need to be found by him in peace. Be tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven us. Without spot, be found in peace and without spot and blameless. God expects us to, to live a holy and blameless life. What does it say of Noah? It said he was perfect in his generations. He was the only one that God considered that in his whole generation. If you look in Genesis, from Adam to the flood, there's not a whole pe- lot of people commended there. You've got Enoch, maybe a couple others. Not much else. You have Nimrods and people like that. And you have Seth. There's not a lot. There's a l- Without spot and blameless. There's a song that says, When my Savior comes, will my robe be white? Are you, are, are you, you living a, a clean and holy life before the Lord? Those are the things that, that make you ready and watching. Because he's going to come suddenly. It's kind of like, you know, this is rude. Don't do this to people. You, you knew you, you had company coming. They don't tell you when they're coming. So you've got to keep your house spotless all the time. <laughs> but, th- but that's... That's what the situation we're in. You're, there's, or if you're in the military, there can be a sudden inspection at any time. The colonel's coming, gonna, could show up at any time. So you've got to keep everything squared away. That's just the expectation. I mean, this is what the Word says. This is, if you want to be found by Him, if you want to be ready when Jesus comes, this is how it's supposed to be, and, and says this, and consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Don't get impatient waiting. Don't say like those servants said that I didn't read in another parable. They said, my Lord delays his coming, and they'd start to do all kinds of evil things. My, hey, he's not coming for a while. We can do what we want for a while. We'll get it, we'll get it figured out later. Consider the, the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. God is waiting for a purpose and a reason. He's God. He doesn't let us know the, the day of his coming for a reason. Just like I don't think Noah knew. I think he kind of got an idea because, well, here's the, the animals are there. But, but the day came. In these days of sin and uncertainty... Look up, for your redemption draws nigh. Because we indeed look for a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness. Be just like Noah in his generation. Just say Noah. Just remember Noah. Say Noah. Let, him, let his example motivate you and give you an idea 
If you get discouraged, if you say, you know, it's just too hard, or, or I stand out like a sore thumb, just say Noah. Just say Noah. Amen. Let's pray. Father, Father, we thank you.